as part of the Jeremiah Show. It's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar-winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. Today, my very special guest is songwriter, recording artist, Robert LaRoche. Um, he's a singer, songwriter, guitarist uh, who became performing professionally at age 15. Uh, originally from Holyoke, Massachusetts, LaRoche formed Power Pop Sensations The Size in 1982. After 10 years of touring in the college club circuit of New England, the Size were signed to Virgin Records and released their debut CD, What Goes On, in 1992. The disc received fantastic reviews, and the single Think About Soul was a staple on modern rock radio charts throughout the summer of 1992. The band toured America extensively with such acts as The Spin Doctors and The Gin Blossoms. Their second release, Different, was released in 1995 on New York City indie label Big Deal Records. The band disbanded in 1996 and LaRoche moved on to his next career as lead guitarist and co-writer for Austin, Texas singer Patricia Vaughn. The size regrouped in the summer of 2016 to record for the first time in two decades. The subsequent release, Wait on Another Day, came out on New York City indie label OMAD Records in November 2017. The disc received glowing reviews internationally. In July 2019, Austin singer-songwriter LaRoche released A Thousand Shades. The six-song EP is bursting with irresistible hooks and LaRoche's signature harmonies are and mesmerizing, mesmerizing vocals. Backed by many of Austin's top musicians, A Thousand Shades takes the listener on a journey of love and heartbreak with a silver lining of redemption. LaRoche is <clears throat> now releasing his new 10-song CD, Forevermore, and we're going to be featuring his song, Forevermore, the title track in its entirety today, and that was actually just released yesterday, um, September 19th, 2023. Uh, this album was produced by oscar-winning songwriter john de nicola and so anyway robert welcome to the arwin lewis show nice to be with you arwin nice to see you <laughs> uh, well i thought we could start by you telling us about your latest release, uh forevermore so um what inspired you to create this album you know it was you know during lockdown during COVID, it, it was a lot of time to write songs and, um, you know, there were no gigs really happening in Austin, I, I'm guess in anywhere else in the country. So, um, yeah, there was just, just a lot of time to, to, to be creative, chose to, chose to use that, all that free time and, uh, you know, got a backlog backlog of songs and, um, yeah, then I reconnected with, uh, with our mutual friend, John D. Nicola, I reconnected with him, a producer great songwriter great producer 
And um, yeah, we just started re- started recording the songs without too much of a game plan. And then, you know, eventually kind of dawned on us. Yeah, we, we have enough material here for a, for a full length. That's a really cool thing about working with John. I feel like the projects that I've done with him and that I've watched my dad do with him, they all just evolve naturally. Correct. And I think that's a really cool approach as an artist to have a producer who just kind of lets things work themselves out that way, rather than going in and having a rigid plan and a time frame and everything. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've worked with some excellent producers, um, Ed Stasium, you know, yeah. with the size and Darren Murphy's fantastic. He's out of Austin. He's a good friend and great producer. Um, but this time around, uh, you know, I've been I've been actually taking care of my mom full time in, in Massachusetts, which, where I'm from, uh, since my father passed away a couple of years ago. So, you know, logistically, I was a lot closer to upstate New York than I, than I was to Austin. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of how that came about. It wasn't really planned. Um, and so, you know, I can actually get in the car and drive to to John uh, DiNicola's studio in the Catskill mountains. And, uh, it's a bit, a bit of a, bit of a drive, but I mean, it, you don't have to fly. It's and not like, not like going down to Texas. That's, that's kind of how it came about really is that because I was back in Massachusetts taking care of, you know, family business, which uh, I'm happy to do. And, uh, so it, it just, it all worked out beautifully. It, it wasn't, uh, wasn't any rushed schedule, which, you know, is, necessary a lot of times when you have studio time booked and you got to get in there and knock it out and uh, but this was a very relaxed way of recording you know the studio itself is in an idyllic location and it's you know it's in a barn in a big old yeah, I was gonna say let's talk about that awesome studio so it, is it it's all analog right in a barn he 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 has analog you know he also uses pro tools also sometimes he'll run pro tools and then then put it on a two inch analog he's uh you know he's like the mad professor up there he 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 really enjoys he's embraced uh technology and and, and vintage technology is really where he's at meaning you know compressors or limiters from the late 60s uh, it's got a quite a collection of, uh, you know, sonic uh, tools, but but they're they're mostly, uh, you know, vintage, vintage gear that he uses tubes and uh, it gives a pretty warm sound. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, you can mirror it pretty closely with digital, but there's nothing like, you know, recording to analog tape. And I remember I had John on an interview uh, a couple months ago, I guess now. And he was talking about how even transferring, like you said, transferring the digital files to the tape gives it that sound as well, the warmth. And but then you're saving a little bit of time. Um, yes. Which, yes. Um, are there any co-writes on this um, Forevermore release, or did you this all of your songs? These are all mine. Great. These are all of my songs. Um, you know, uh, I have co-written. I've co-written with John Nicola. Um, I have a lot of co-writes with my awesome music partner, Patricia Vaughn, uh, back in the day with the size, uh, most of the 
the songs were, you know, they were mostly my songs, but there were, there were some uh, co-writes. Um, so yeah, I like co-writing. I like co-writing. It just so happened that this particular time frame, as I mentioned earlier, I did have time on my hands. And so, um, you know, I was able to, you know, songwriting is a funny thing. You're a songwriter. You, you, you can't put your finger, really put your finger on. I've talked to so many different artists and it's always fascinating to, to, to ask them, well, you know, what's your process? And, you know, it's funny because a lot of times there, you know, there really isn't a process, you know, it's sometimes they just fall out of the sky. I'll tell you, that's really the only way any of the songs I've written have happened. I have worked on some. But it's funny you brought that up because I was going to ask you, what's your song process like? <laughs> <laughs> My next question right here. Well, you know, I but look, it's a good que- it's a good question. And um, I can do it. I can sit down with the, with the Rickenbacker or the acoustic and, you know, I can I've been doing this a long time. I can do the craft of songwriting. I've always got ideas so I can sit down if you were in the room with me right now in an hour we could probably have a pretty close to a, f- a finished song uh I don't, i'm not saying i feel how good it would be or, or you know, that's up to the listener but um craft wise we could do it um but for me i generally hear a melody in my head uh it can come at any time sometimes first thing in the morning i'm humming something like, well what is that and uh I could, while i'm driving um i like to exercise i'm getting you know i'm 60 now and i like to stay fit because mm. uh I, I tour a lot and I, and you know i like to i, I gotta put on a good show as the germans say as the germans say mock show you have to mock show and uh you know i've always been a big believer in that and uh so anyway the i could be on a, on a treadmill at, at planet fitness and then there it is there's a there's a there's a melody and I, I generally speaking, I let it kind of ferment. I don't immediately go for the guitar. I kind of let it drive me a little bit crazy, right? For a day or two or three. And then it's like, okay, I'll pick up the guitar now. And it kind of, I want to say it plays itself, but if you have a melody that you're hearing, we're, and, and I know I speak for you too, we're lucky enough to be able to hear melodies. Um, doesn't mean they're all good, but we can hear them. And then you can generally pick up the guitar or piano or whatever it is, is your instrument and kind of flush out the chords. And, um, you know, and then of course you have to come up with, you know, good provocative lyrics and, or lyrics that are relatable, like all good art. You want it to be relatable. Right. And it's interesting because for me, I, I actually find the chords first and then the melody will come to me over the chords. I don't really mm-hmm. hear a melody first at all. And sometimes it's hard. I need somebody else. If I'm like, I've um, John and I have, we haven't like released anything, but we've like kind of like explored writing some songs together. And I'm like, can you send me a melody over those chords, please? <laughs> <laughs> Develop it from there. But songs that I've written. Yeah. The melody actually for the vocal um, comes later after I find the chords. So your music first person yeah for sure yeah, i i do that too sometimes you just never know yeah right? I, i'm gonna go with that actually it just depends <laughs> it, it's you know it's still kind of mysterious after all these years it's so 
uh, you can't put it in a box songwriting. It's kind of mysterious. Uh, I feel lucky when, when one comes and sometimes they come all at once. And that's a lucky day. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, music in a way is really mysterious too, because you can't see it, you know, it's, it's right. you see the instruments you under, we can conceptualize it, but you can't see it, you know? And so, I mean, no. obviously it all makes sense, but there's something I think, I guess you can call it spiritual or whatever, you know, um, about music. Uh, but I, I'm not, speaking of that, who are the musicians on this record on Forevermore? Who else played on it? You know, John and I did the lion's share. You know, I played most of the guitars because uh, I'm a guitar player. Right. Um, yeah. But John is a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, bass, I guess, is his go-to. So he played bass on all, all the tracks. He's a wonderful keyboard player, and he happens to have some really cool, like an old B3. So there's some – the first – this was sort of the first – this is my third solo record, and this is the first one that has a lot of B3 organ on. I love it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he also played some electric guitar, and he played – he has a pump organ from oh, the 19th century. Crazy st stuff that he has. And it just found its way on, on record. But in addition to John, I had um, two of my size bandmates. I had Tom Borowski who's a longtime size drummer, still still is the size drummer, because we still play occasionally. He played on a couple of tracks. And Tommy Pluta, who is actually the size bass player, was the original drummer back in 82 and through 85. And then he switched over to bass. But anyway, he's a fine drummer. And he played on six of the tracks. There's, there's two songs on the record that don't have an actual drum track i think uh john's playing like an indian drum or something like that on on uh, on on forevermore on the title track cool yeah um, and that there's also uh, just to finish your finish the answer david perales violin brian standifer cello um i don't want to leave anybody out oh, zonder kennedy which was really uh the wild card who was uh a incredible guitar player he played the uh solo on a song called burn that kingdom oh we're gonna hear that today too i think i have everybody there weren't that many guys that that played on on this record you know it's kind of self-contained and that's really nice too i mean if when you have i mean it sounds like well maybe 10 people i mean that's enough you know people with who are all skilled and versed in different ways to make a beautiful project like you came up with you know yeah yeah thank uh, you yeah you're welcome oh so when did you start learning how to play music and was guitar your first instrument it was it was you know my, my brother uh played piano he was a good good piano player so uh, there was music in the house my folks loved music uh, yeah, okay, not rock and roll, but, you know, my dad was jazz and my mom liked out show tunes and that that was their era, of course. Um, but I am the youngest of four kids and there's a little bit of a gap. I was sort of later. So, you know, I was born in 63. So by, you know, two and three years old, AM radio was pretty outstanding back then. I mean, you could right. hear the Beatles and the Stones or James Brown and or maybe a kooky novelty song you know they're coming to take me away or something something nutty but the top 40 was 
was quite eclectic and good back then. So, you know, even though I was just maybe even couldn't speak yet, I was getting that information without a doubt. And uh, then as the years went by, my brother and I shared a room. He had an extensive record collection. My sisters always were playing 45s. And so I really heard a lot of great stuff, like in the 60s, still in the, still in the 60s. I mean, the best time, you know, to be, I can't imagine, you know, that your, your childhood um, soundtrack. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. We had a great record store in my hometown, uh, Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm where I'm playing Saturday night. Oh, I'm doing my CD release there uh, with John D. Nicola on bass. Oh, How about that? Are you going to live stream it? You know, I've got to talk to him about that. Uh, we, we, we had communicated earlier, me trying to get on Zoom. And it isn't difficult, but, uh, you know, I am a little bit technically challenged. Uh, and I'm trying to uh, conquer that fear or that 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 because we're not going back to the rotary phones you know that i grew up with <laughs> i mean i think it's kind of i mean you're already a musician and versed in that that's its own you know beast in itself you know like technology kind of i don't know it's overrated <laughs> except we're able to talk right now so that's really yeah hard. in this case it's a it's a beautiful necessity yeah um also and when did, did you start learning how to sing with guitar right away too and were you just did you just start playing along with the music you were hearing or did you have formal lessons i you know my i, I was my sister i have a couple older sisters and one of them played guitar she had a nylon string guitar and she also had a, a little stella i wish i still had that it was like a little mini like a three-quarter scale not so great you know a bit inexpensive let's put it that way acoustic guitar and so she was encouraging so i guess i picked it up around 12 years old and i did take a couple of lessons in the in the northampton massachusetts the neighboring town and uh i didn't i wasn't a good follower i didn't follow the the, the teacher and i kind of was a little even then i was a little bit rebellious like yeah i don't want to learn that and you know probably not the best student to have looking back on it but so i stopped after maybe just a couple of months and i said i'm going to teach myself how to do it and i did just i'm not unique it's a common story for musicians i taught myself you know i listened to the records do to do you know there was no youtube in those days so i bought the the chord book and you know it shows you where to put your fingers and everything i, I taught myself basically and and i I was singing sort of privately, not with anyone around, but I kind of felt like, I, I feel like I can do this. You know, I can sing a little bit. And when I was in eighth grade at a Catholic school, I went to Catholic school in Holyoke. It was a good school, had a good education. And when I was in eighth grade, they had a couple of guys from the local, three or four musicians from the local college. It must have been their project whatever it's called theses or to get with these grade school kids and do jesus christ superstar nice <laughs> and they auditioned the kids and i got a part of judas and uh which i embraced and it was a, it, it culminated in a live performance in the gymnasium of the catholic school our lady of perpetual help never forget that and so it was the first time i sang into a microphone Oh, wow. Okay. I was, I don't know, 13 and I maybe 13 or four. Yeah. 13 in eighth grade. And I could hear my voice booming out of the speakers 
I'm sure it wasn't like a state-of-the-art sound, so I don't remember. I'm sure it was the speakers hanging on the wall, the public address speakers, and I loved that. I thought, <laughs> this is so cool to be able to – I realized, like, the voice is an instrument. And uh, the only thing is, after the show, my dad said, wow, you sounded great, but next time you need to – I guess I had my head down the entire – I was terrified. Yeah. I had my head down the entire time. He said, you need to look at the audience. But he was very encouraging. Yeah. But I guess that was kind of how I discovered, like, you know, I think I can sing in tune. And then, you know, eventually, a little bit later, after, you know, learning all the songs of the people I liked, Everly Brothers, and I love old American rock and roll, then eventually started writing my own songs. Nice. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about how singing in an auditorium is what inspired you and really gave you that, um, you know, that drive as I was having this conversation with my dad, we were listening to a live Moby Grape that I bought in Austin, Texas when we were, um, when I met you there. And he was saying how when they played in the Avalon Ballroom, that was the same thing. Everybody wanted to play there because of the way the sound bounced off the walls. Wow. Like, and it's crazy how, you know, when you have a performance experience like that, how, you know, it takes you into this other realm. And I mean, you, was that when you started um, your band or a little bit after that because you had a band professionally by the time you were 15 is that right well when I, I started performing when i was 15 and it wasn't a band thing yet the size was still uh three years ahead in the story my story yeah. and uh we all have a story and uh so but i did have an excellent singing partner mike was his name mike Tchaikovsky, great guy still with us and uh, still a great singer and so uh, we kind of figured out we both loved the Everly Brothers and we kind of figured out, OK, I'm a tenor and he was able to do the higher part. So we we just nailed Phil and Don or, you know, did a pretty good job of that. Yes. And uh, we weren't writing. I wasn't writing at that point. I was quite young, but we were doing gigs and we did a lot of weddings, um, you know, be up in the where the where the pipe organ was and. The priest would, okay, there'd be a pause and we'd have a script and then we'd do, you know, Let It Be Me or Devoted to You, these great songs. Yeah. And so we were kind of working, you know, and um, and uh, he went off and he had other interests. He wasn't, that's, that wasn't what he wanted to do as a full-time thing. I, it is definitely what I wanted to do. So I started The Size in 1982. So you just went right for it. This has been your career, like your whole life, basically. Yeah, That's it. it is. Oh. It is. It is a vow of poverty, as any as any musician will will tell you. But, uh, you know, as long as the bills are paid, uh, it's it's such a great ride. And that that's what you're going to take with you. You know, you can have all the money in the world. But if you're living an empty life with all that money, what's the point? <laughs> you know, my, my opinion. Um, but how did so yeah how did you hook up with the members of the size and uh, you know and then let's talk about the evolution of the band it was it was all in our hometown um i had a you know i would say a little reputation in a in a, in a you know it was a small town i don't know thirty thousand people are in western massachusetts good good place to grow up and uh so you know word got around oh that guy can sing and he play and then of course i got an electric guitar and so you know you people it's like anywhere else. Musicians just could have gravitated. Oh, well, I've got drums. Oh, I've got a bass. 
And so um, that's kind of how it went down, really. And then we we had a couple of guys at the beginning and they were, you know, they were in it for a little bit and then uh, not too long. And then, um, you know, we got the the lineup that, you know, like Tommy Pluta, who is, um, you know, still you know, my best friend and still my partner in the size, you know, even though we're not that active anymore, but we're still occasionally are. And uh, so he, anyway, he played drums and then we got his then girlfriend's twin brother who now it's his wife. Now it's his brother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> you can follow that. And uh, he was going to UMass Amherst and we got him in as a bass player. He was an excellent musician and it was just kind of evolved playing as you said in your intro, a lot of clubs, a lot of colleges, a lot of colleges in New England. And, uh, you know, we just got a little better, a little better, better songs, better songs. And I mean, it, it took 10 years. It's a long time of slogging it out. And it was it was great fun. I mean, I would never say that it was not. But uh, eventually we got good. And then we started going down to New York City, which is only two and a half hours away. And, um, and that's where we started playing at a place called the China club, which is long gone, but there used to be China clubs all over the place. And, um, you have a China club experience? Uh, no, I, but I think I remember you telling me about the China club when I met you in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're actually um, I want let's pick up with this story and I want to go into this, you know, like once you guys got your record deal and everything, when we come back from break, um, we're just going to run out really quickly. And everybody, if you're just tuning in, my very special guest is Robert LaRoche, singer, songwriter and guitarist. And we're featuring songs from his recent release. He just released a single yesterday called Forevermore. That's going to be our um, featured track at the end of the show. And uh, the album is called Forevermore. Uh, you can find out more about that on omenrecords.com. Uh, look up Robert LaRoche um, at robertlarochemusic.com. Uh, under Robert LaRoche on Facebook and on Instagram, The Size Music. And do you have an Instagram for your personal account? I do not. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you can look up The Size on Instagram. And we're going to take you out to break with Robert's song, Steal Your Heart Away, and bring you back in with his song, Home Again. And this is the Arwen Lewis Show. We'll be right back.
Hello, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis, and you just heard my very special guest. Um, his name is Robert LaRoche, singer, songwriter, recording artist, has just released an album on OMAD Records called Forevermore. And we're talking about that album and his extensive career today, also um, about his very successful band, The Size. And I thought we could pick up, Robert, uh, with talking about the beginning of like your real commercial success with The Size. Um, you toured with the Spin Doctors and the Gin Blossoms, and you had some really extensive touring um, experiences. So would you like to talk about that and your first record uh, that was signed to Virgin Records? Right. We were, um, we were signed to Virgin in uh, 91, June of 91. And we had been uh, kind of establishing uh, our, ourselves at, the, at this place, the China Club in New York City. And that is where we met um, a great guy, still a great guy, Tommy Allen. And Tommy Allen had a partner in a production company, John D. Nicola, who we've mentioned previously. So they had a they had a uh, production uh, production team. They were they were a production team, and we signed with them. And they, in turn, got us the deal with uh, Virgin Records. So uh, we were on a subsidiary, a Virgin called uh, Charisma. So, you know, we went from playing around New England to getting on a plane and going to California, where you are. And uh, we were in we went to Los Angeles for three months. I mean, I don't think that that, that doesn't happen anymore. Now you're just going to knock out a record. It was a different time in the industry and, um, you know, it was a pretty good budget. And they, we wound up recording um, Ed Stasium producing. And Tommy Allen and John DiNicola were the associate producers. And we um, recorded at A&M Studios in Hollywood on Sunset and La Brea. It was fabulous. We, we cut drums in the We Are the World room, Studio A where they did We Are the World. And we, 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 you know, we were kind of pinching ourselves. And uh, it was a really a marvelous experience. And, you know, the, they put it, they, the label, put us up in the valley right, right over the, you know, right over the mountain. You know, L.A. And um, it was right off Venture Boulevard in Sherman Oaks. We had a, like a condo situation. And you know we were younger, and you know, a little, little we liked to party a little bit. We, you know, we, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say we were the most disciplined. Uh, I was probably less disciplined out of all out of anybody looking back on it. But we did manage to make a, 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 quite a good record. And when it came out in, um, uh, I believe it was June, yeah, June of '92, we had a song called "Think About Soul," and that was the single. And that was going well that in, in those days they had a, it was called modern rock charts. So it wasn't like a top 40 it wasn't necessarily on, you know, the most mainstream, but it was getting a lot of airplay. And then we got caught in a corporate merger. That's the short story. And it's not an uncommon one. EMI bought Virgin, bought out Virgin. Uh, and it was only Gosh, it was five weeks after the record was released. So there were two distributors, WIA and SEMA. I don't know what's going on now in the, with the major labels, but I, I do remember that much back then. It's over 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, so we couldn't find our record in the stores. It was frustrating. It was, uh, we knew something wasn't right, even though the song was getting played on the radio. 
okay, you don't get a redo. And that happened. And I made peace with that a long, long time ago, you know, but uh, it was a great learning experience. And we did tour a lot, like you mentioned, and we did a rock the vote tour. Uh, And it was the presidential election of 92. So we did a rock the vote tour. So there were, you know, at all the gigs, sign up sheets. And uh, we did it with a band called Dada. Fantastic band if you've never heard of them d-a-d-a they're out of los angeles yeah (laughs) Yeah, they're so so good and so we did a uh, we did a tour with them quite a few shows and um that was a great experience uh playing every night with those guys and we you know we thought we were pretty good they were really good they were really good so you know we (laughs) You know, there, there was a couple of nights there. It's like, you know, we probably should have been the support act tonight, you know, but uh, but it was a good learning experience and uh, great to get, you know, some road experience. Um, I can't change the outcome of, of what happened, you know, but uh, but we did make a hell of a good record. Well, yeah. And you guys also um, came back together, right? And recently have released two albums or one album with John D. Nicola that he recently we did. We did a full length um, that came out in 2017. And I think I heard you mention in your in your intro, it was a 20 year gap. It's yeah. crazy. Well, what brought you to back together? Yeah. Well, John, John did. You know, John did. He had his studio up and running by then in 2016. He had the barn was converted up in the Catskill Mountains. And he's like, you know, why don't we do a record? And so um, Matt Cullen, the guitar player, you know, we, we, we all touched base. And Matt's like, you know, I found this. Uh, gosh, it was a four, I th- if I'm not mistaken, it was four track home. We had a studio. We had a band house. I won't even go in. That'll take up the whole interview. I'll just say we had a band <laughs> house and we all survived. We all survived. But we got a lot of work done, too. And uh, he said, I have all these songs that didn't make it on on uh, the record. Some really good stuff here. So he dug it out and then he sent it to John DiNicola. And he's like, you know, you, I mean, you've met John. He's like, you know how he he's he's a New York Italian. So he's like, what are you waiting for? What are you yeah. waiting for? Let's go. What are you waiting for? <laughs> so, you know, he, he really kind of lit the fire. And then that's what we did. That's what we did. The three of the guys, you know, were scattered around the country, but um, three of us were there and cut the tracks. And then Matt lives in um, Iowa. And so he did his guitar parts from the homes, his home studio that came out in 2017. And then we did a five song EP in 2020. And these are both on OMAD records and both available uh, to your listeners. And can they get them on your website or just at omadrecords.com? Just at Omad Records, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then before we go back into talking a little more about Forevermore, um, I thought we could talk about your um, experience as lead guitarist uh, for Patricia Vaughn. Um, how did uh, you start playing lead guitar with her and what was your creative role? And I know you co-wrote some songs together. Um, right, right. a lot of music too, or how, how did that work? How did that work out? You know, um, we, you know, it's, the China Club keeps coming up and, and, and it's a big part of my story because Patricia and I met at the China Club in 1990. It was a thing called the New, New Music Seminar. That's long gone. And it was sort of like South by Southwest, but it was, 
it wasn't in the Southwest. It was in New York. It was in New York City. And but it was a big deal. And um, the size were planet at the China Club. It, I met Patricia the same night I met John D. Nicola. That was a fateful oh. evening. And, uh, <laughs> and so I know I met her and um, and, uh, you know, uh, we eventually uh, had, a, a you know, of course, a long term personal relationship, her and I. Uh, we were married for a long time. And um, uh, but before all before that, you know, she had aspirations uh, to, to do her own thing, do her own band. And uh, she was going to do it with or with or without me, because at that point I said, you know, you really don't want to get into this business. And she said, well, you know, I'll do it without you. And I kind of was watching from the sidelines. I'm there now. No, no, I, I, I need to be part of this. I want to be part of this. Yeah. And so we started working together in um, 98. Our first gig was at CBGB on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. We packed it. Cool. And uh, and from the and, you know, of course, we had been rehearsing and, and I, I she found some great musicians and um, we had a really good little band. And, um, you know, I knew from the first minute of the first song that she had. Some, she had the X factor. Yeah, and she can carry a room. And uh, so I've actually been working with her now for 25 years okay. and we're the closest of friends and uh we have you know, like i said a personal history of course deep personal history and uh you know she's got eight studio albums out and um we've co-written a bunch of songs she's uh an incredible artist she's a great songwriter she's a great singer and live perfor performance art you know which is still something we can control as artists our show <laughs> yeah. and she's amazing at that and uh we've carved out a really nice i mean she's won the awesome music awards more than once that's a big deal in austin yeah and um you know she's uh europe is in addition to tech, in addition to being well known regionally in Texas, Europe is really where it's happening for her. And we've toured over there, you know, so, so, so many times and it's never gets old and it always gets a little better, a little bigger following building, building, building. We were just there for a month in this summer and we're just looking at each other going, you know, how many times have we been over here? You know, and it's still growing and uh you know new songs and she's she's a creative spark and we kind of spark off each other and that has been a deeply satisfying uh situation yeah and i mean when you find somebody you can create like that with i mean you you got to keep it going um so we're going to run out to break again really quick and uh, we're going to take you out to break um with that kingdom down by robert laroche and bring you back in with his song end of time and then we're going to continue on with this great conversation um this is arwen lewis and you're listening to the arwen lewis show uh you can find out more about my very special guest robert laroche at um, robertlarochemusic.com uh look him up on facebook under robert laroche and follow his band the size on instagram at the size music and we'll be right back
letter and a suitcase wrapped up in gold to mend your heartache. Your heart enough to hold a never-ending loose chase that you deny. Release your soulmate. And you can go whenever you're ready. Hey, this is Robert LaRoche coming to you from Austin, Texas. I've got a brand new CD out called Forevermore on OMAD Records out of New York City. And you are listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. Ciao. This is Arwen Lewis. Uh, we just brought you back in from break with my very special guest recording of his song, End of Time. And uh, my very special guest today, if you're just tuning in, is Robert LaRoche, singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Uh, he's part of a band called The Size. Has just released a solo record on OMAD Records uh, called Forevermore. And also is a lead guitarist for an amazing artist named Patricia Vaughn. And so, Robert, I thought we could start talking guitars. Um, for those of you who can't see, we're going to put this video up on YouTube. But Robert has some really cool guitars in, in the background on his video here. So can you tell me about those guitars? This guitar is, is my child. And this yeah. is this is uh, 1966 Rickenbacker 330. And this oh, yeah. is my baby. It's my absolute baby. And, you know, it's as as you probably know, Rickenbackers are, you know, known for their chime, chimey sound and and they do chime for sure. Um, And what I try and do is, um, first of all, all my work is in E flat. I'm tuned down a half step and I'm lucky enough to be endorsed by a company called pyramid strings in out of germany so they make a special gauge for me quite quite heavy strings but because the guitar is tuned down it can the neck can handle it you know i mean i use a 13 on the high e that's that's heavy and um it gives the sound yes it has the chime of the of of the of what rickenbackers are known for but it also gives some bottom it gives it it gives a little and some more resonance and a little bit of a darker tone 
and 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 I love that. You know, and my work with the size, my work with Patricia Vaughn, my solo work is all in E flat. And uh, I learned that by mistake, really, because I was a big Everly Brothers fan uh, long before I even had an electric guitar. And I was, you know, trying to learn their songs. And I said, I know till I kissed you, can't be out of A flat, a barred A flat. That doesn't make sense. And so I figured out, let me, you know, I've had the sense enough to tune the guitar down a little bit and at least get the E string on the same notes. And then yeah. I realized, no, it's not, it's not A flat F it's, it's G E minor. And so then, okay, once I had the E string figured out, then I detuned the A and the D and the G and the B and the E and I was in E flat. And then I could play along to the Everly Brothers. It wasn't until not that long ago, maybe in the past 10 years where I found, cause I do a deep dive on them. Cause I actually saw them live in 2000 and they're my big heroes. And um, they called it their little cheater uh-huh. being an E flat. And it works great for vocals. It works great. It makes the good, gives the guitars a little darkness against, you know, cause you know, Everly Brothers vocals, the hits aren't, the singing's not dark, right? It necessarily it's, it's bright, but it, against that backdrop of the, of the E flat. It, it, so I kind of, I kind of ran with that. And that guitar behind me is, served me well for 40 years wow so you've been playing the same guitar this basically your whole career pretty much my whole career yeah cool yeah yeah i had a friend of mine sold it to me wonderful guy who's no longer here his name was frank lucchese and he was a brilliant guitar maker and he used to love to go to tag sales and yard sales he found it at a a yard sale for 50 bucks now he he sold it to me for a, a a markup but a very 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 good deal and he knew i wanted that and uh, i honor every time i play it i honor frank you know yeah and Uh, acoustics you know acoustic guitars i'm uh, a little bit of a i admit that i'm a little bit of a snob i i do like i do like vintage gibsons i'm a gibson guy and um but it doesn't have to be gibson Right. Doesn't have to be. But, uh, you know, obviously a vintage Martin's going to sound real good too. any vintage acoustic. You know, I mean, um, but uh, if I had my druthers, I'd probably be, you know, playing a 52 Southern Jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> well, why vintage um, for those of us? Because, are, you know. because of the wood, because mm-hmm. of the wood, the aged rosewood gives off these beautiful dark resonant tones that you cannot get with a guitar made in 2023 loaded with lacquer and first of all you can't even get that type of wood anymore it's you can't find it it's i don't know if it's outlawed i think i think there are some places literally against the law uh to get your hands on this stuff you know so it's 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 a combination of the wood and the craftsmanship is so precise and they all sound different they all sound different you could line up 10 vintage gibsons they're all going to sound different and they may not all be great i also admit that you know some might be like well maybe they had a bad day that day or you know maybe the 
maybe the luthier stayed out too late the night before. They all have their own personality, but I have a preference for vintage acoustics. What's and the, luckily working with Dina Cola, I, you know, there are some vintage guitars. He's got some cool guitars. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's the acoustic that you've got behind you right now? I don't. So know. after all that talk about vintage, this <laughs> is not vintage at all. <laughs> this is just a working Alvarez that um, because I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing family stuff right now uh, in Massachusetts. So I'm, my, my guitars are back in Austin. So my friend gave me this just to write and, you know, just to have an acoustic in the house. So that's an Alvarez. It's a, it's a good guitar. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to, I want to keep nerding out on this, um, but we're going to have to run out to break really quick again. Um, we're going to take you out with Robert LaRoche's song, Hard Rain, and bring you back in with the size hit, uh, Think About Soul. And this is Arwen Lewis. You're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is Robert LaRoche, and we'll be right back. One, two, three, one, two, three. This is Arwen Lewis, and you just heard uh, my very special guest, Robert LaRoche, and his band, The Size, with their song, Think About Soul. And we're just going to wrap up really quick. Um, we're going to take you out of the show, and we're going to be playing Robert LaRoche's song that he just released yesterday on September 19th, and it's called Forevermore. And we're here kind of celebrating and talking about Robert's extensive career and also his recent um, album that he just released, Forevermore. Um, so you're going to be doing a tour, Robert. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we send everyone Absolutely. off? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. I'll be uh, touring uh, Germany and Austria all of October with my acoustic trio. I have uh, two wonderful 
uh, classical musicians. Um, Juni Huang is on violin, and I have John Divin on contrabass, myself on acoustic guitar and vocals. So it's it's a kind of a Baroque orchestral pop. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then can they uh, find out about that tour on your website? Absolutely. Robert LaRoche Music uh com all the tour dates are on there and um yeah i'm looking forward to that and my cd release show is yep this saturday night in holyoke massachusetts at the divine theater so amazing um i'll be there in spirit thank um, you arwin well robert the, i'm so sad we're out of time but this has been such a treat to get to talk to you on my show thank you for taking the time to tell us your stories um, and yeah, everybody, we're going to take you out of the show, uh, playing in its entirety, Robert LaRoche's song Forevermore from his recent album Forevermore. Uh, this is Arwen Lewis and Robert, thanks again so much for coming on today. Thanks to you. All right, everybody. Enjoy. Forms of fear, so you turn away. Honey, if you please take me down real slow. Look upon the range at the fields below. You walk on like the queen you are, head held high above the stars. Slip not. On the floor, seal your heart away forevermore. When your atmosphere turns cold and gray. Hundred forms of fear, so you turn away. Honey, if you please take me down real slow. Look upon the range of the fields below. You walk on like the queen you are, head held high above the stars. Slip not. On the floor, seal your heart away forevermore.
The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at Arwen Lewis. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.